Thanks for checking out this video. My name's Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. So in our series, we're journeying through the gospel of Luke, and we're uh, looking at stories where Jesus meets people. This idea of meeting Jesus. And as we're looking at those stories of Jesus meeting people, we're also meeting Jesus all over again. Maybe some of us for the first time, but others of us uh, looking back at the gospel stories like we were a kid going to camp and hearing them for the first time. And so there's a little bit of nostalgia around camp. That's why we sang, shout to the Lord, right? Some of you are feeling very vintage. You're older than 26, right? Um, and we're kind of going back to those moments, maybe for some of you that feel like a long time ago, when you like met Jesus and it moved you in a way it hasn't moved you in a while. And so we started by looking at Luke 4, 1 through 2. That was our first uh, memory verse. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And during those days, he ate nothing. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Right, you all know your verse. Good. Then, uh, So we saw Jesus in his humanity not giving into temptation in the intentional season of preparation. And somehow Jesus in his humanity went into the wilderness one way and came out in power ready for his public ministry. We talked about how some of us might be entering into an intentional season of preparation and that the devil will attack in that season. But when we walk our way through it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we come out even more ready for God to use us. Last week, we looked at Luke 4, 36, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. We didn't see Jesus in uh, his humanity. We saw him more showing his divinity that he actually kept quiet or somewhat closed off early on in his ministry because he didn't want people to freak out too much. But we saw that Jesus' word holds power power in the spiritual realm, power in the practical realm. And this week, we're going to see the launch of Jesus's public ministry outside the context of a religious institution in Luke chapter five. Let me start by asking this question. What do you do with the best success you've ever had? With the biggest bonus, the most profitable year, the unexpected money showing up, the year that shattered all the records. What do you do next? Well, we'll see at least one possible answer to that question this morning in Luke chapter five. The setting of the story uh, is verse one and two gives us the setting. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, him being Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, the lake of Gennesaret uh, is a hundred square mile lake. It's a big thing, eight by eight miles by 13 miles. Uh, so not just some small little lake. And there are about nine different communities that people would flock out of to get to where Jesus was, probably numbering somewhere around 150,000 people or so in walking distance where Jesus is teaching right now. And he's there and people are running to him. And why? Because of his word. We looked at this last week, that the attraction of any church, the attraction to Christianity is and should be the gospel message of Christ. What attracted people to Jesus uh, initially right here, and he condemns later other things that people came to him for, is the word or the gospel, the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom, gospel-centric. And so uh, for uh, these uh, people, they wanted to come because they wanted to hear the hope and the love and the grace of the message, this revolutionary message, this astonishing ongoing conversation that Jesus was having about the kingdom of God. 
So people flocked to hear it. So imagine a scene around a beach and Jesus is there and he's uh, teaching and they want to hear his word and people are coming and they're pressing in on him so much that he's got to make a change before he gets himself all wet in the lake. They're pushing in. Next thing it says is he saw two boats by the lake. One of the underlying themes or uh, motifs of this story is that Jesus sees what we don't. That Jesus has a vision that we don't have. He can see where we can't see. And so Jesus uh, looks and he sees two empty boats. And it says the fishermen had gone. Now the boats weren't supposed to be empty. They didn't wake up that day and say, let's have a horrible day of business. They had gotten their business enterprise up and they had gotten their boats out and put their boats into the water like any business person would going out, hoping to make a sale or uh, hoping to catch some fish. But Jesus sees that their boat are, the boats are empty, reminding us that Jesus sees into our everyday circumstances and situations. This is the launch of Jesus's ministry outside the context of a synagogue. This is Jesus taking his mission, his movement, his kingdom out into the realm of business, out into the everyday parts of life. Jesus shows up and he sees, and he would have seen the disappointment on those fishermen. Uh, They got all their employees out. They did all of the work and it returned nothing. Jesus sees your circumstances. He sees the good. He sees the bad. He sees the full. He sees the empty. He sees the exciting and he sees the disappointing. And Jesus saw it that morning for them. But there's something interesting. Jesus is then going to ask the owner of the boat. It's a guy by the name of Simon. We know him better as Peter. Jesus is going to ask Simon Peter to use his boats. Had Simon Peter and his partners caught fish like they normally would have caught Had the boats not been empty, Jesus couldn't have gotten into them to use them. Because they were empty, because they were no longer being utilized in their normal operating business, now Jesus could step into it. Sometimes the season of disappointment or the season that feels like emptiness is the opportunity for Jesus to work and move. And sometimes in the fullness, in the comfort In the good, we don't give him an opportunity to step in and do something. But Jesus has a way of taking the disappointing season, of taking the empty boat, and now he can work. So Jesus looks at Peter. He says, hey, this this empty boat, you mind if I use it? And Peter gives him permission. And Jesus hops into the boat. He goes out a little bit into the water. The crowds are continuing to flock around him. Jesus's pulpit has become Peter's business. We live in a day and age where uh, we try to create this like wall of separation between our, our real life and our spiritual life, our business life and our faith life. Jesus shows us here that we preach from every pulpit that we're given, that every platform that you and I have is an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. In fact, I'll go a step further. The reason you have that platform is to proclaim 
the gospel. Jesus decides to launch his non-synagogue evangelistic mission from a guy's business. Your platform in your non-Sunday morning church environment, your platform is as big as the platform that I get here on Sunday mornings. Your platform is as significant and as important as the platform I get on Sunday morning. Preach from every pulpit. We also uh, have in this culture where the words preach and pulpit are like a negative connotation somehow. They've almost become bad things. Jesus, uh, using every platform he was given to proclaim or to preach was exactly how he launched his mission. Sure, like anything, can be twisted and turned and made bad. But had Jesus had the same idea that we had? No, 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 no. No, there's never a good time. There's never a platform to proclaim the gospel. There's, there's never a right time to do it. Had Jesus had that, then the mission would have just stayed in the synagogue. We're to preach from every pulpit we're given. And so Jesus launches this. So he gets up and he begins to teach out on the water. And like always, people are pretty pumped. They're pretty excited. They're responding to it. And then he gets done teaching. But the story's not over. Jesus wraps up his teaching and then he looks at Peter and he's gonna teach Peter a lesson. Simon in the text. He's gonna set up this metaphor. The point of the, the metaphor, uh, that's not really the whole point of the story. So let's just cut through the metaphor real quick. Peter's gonna catch some fish. The fish represent men. Peter represents the idea of going out and Christians proclaiming the gospel and being about the mission of Jesus, right? And so Peter's gonna catch fish and then he's gonna say, now you're gonna catch men with the message of the gospel. The idea of catching them in the fish and bringing them into the boat is the idea of winning people to salvation and bringing them into eternal relationship with God the Father uh, and not hell, right? That's the metaphor, okay? We probably heard that before at summer camp when you were nine. Let's look and see what's going on in the story though. Because Jesus is going to look at Peter and he's going to say, okay, Peter, now let's, uh, let's go back out and go fishing. I, I've wrapped up my preaching or my teaching time. And so uh, how about you and your partners go take the boat back out onto the water? And Peter, this time when Jesus gives him a request, he has a bit of a snarky reply. Last time he just said, yeah, go ahead and take it. This time he says, master, uh, we worked or toiled all night and we took nothing exclamation point. <laughs> but at your word, I will let down the nets. Every commentator agrees that uh, Peter's response there is something to the effect of Jesus, I'm the fisherman, I got this. In other words, uh, it was okay when you wanted to use my empty boat to preach, but when it comes to uh, business, when it comes to the practical side of life, I'm the expert, not you. A few lessons in this. First, that Jesus is the expert and the authority in both the spiritual and the practical in our lives. That we don't just reserve uh, the authority of Jesus for Sunday morning. We don't just reserve the authority of Jesus um, for the religious or the spiritual side of life. That Jesus is the expert and the authority in both the spiritual and the practical. In other words, uh, Jesus is over both ministry and business, over souls and paychecks. 
And things don't always go the way uh, that we think they should go. They don't always turn out exactly as we want, but it doesn't mean he's in any less control. Jesus has authority over both the spiritual and the practical. And so Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're going to trust me in this. And Peter does say, I don't really want to do this. We've worked hard all day. My guys have already cleaned up. Cleaning the nets at the end of the day is the worst part. And now we're going to have to do this all over again, probably for nothing. But you said it, and I've seen you do some other cool things in life, so I'm going to trust you here. They go back out, and they get back in, and put out into the deep, which Jesus says, go out to this part. What's going to happen here is Jesus is seeing something that they're not able to see. Jesus knows where there are some fish that they're not able to see. So he says, go out into the deep, the, the part of the, where you probably haven't gone before to fish. Why don't you go put back out there, teaching us another lesson, that in both the spiritual and the practical, there are times when we hear the direct voice of Jesus, that we do things that defy conventional wisdom. <laughs> the act of living by faith is that there are times in both the spiritual and the practical when we know Jesus has spoken and we say, this doesn't make a hundred percent practical sense, but by faith, I'm going to follow you. It means that both ministry and sometimes in the practical side of life, um, there are best practices and there are routines and systems that help do things and those aren't bad and they shouldn't be shunned. But there are times when Jesus is gonna show up and say, I'm doing something like this, will you follow me? That as a church and as an individual, we have to be open to the clear voice of God or the uh, Jesus through the Holy Spirit that says, this isn't exactly conventional wisdom but I see something on the other side that you don't. You, Peter, see empty boats and a lot of work that have produced nothing. I see the biggest catch of your life coming. You see the disappointment. I see some celebration. But Peter never gets the catch if he doesn't trust Jesus to the unconventional moment. If Peter had lined up every uh, lesson, every experience he'd ever had in fishing, if Peter had taken everything that his father had taught him because his father had taught him and everything he had learned in his experiences, he would have said, there's no reason to go back out into the boat. But you say so, so I will. Jesus spoke it, so it will be. So Peter goes out. They throw the nets into the water. Next thing that happens is the nets get full of fish. I know none of us, many of us are not fishermen. I don't think anyone here is a corporate fisherman. So sometimes it's hard for us to understand. Modern parable, the, there are more clients. There is more business. There are more sales. There are more, there, there's everything you have been striving for and working for in a moment. It's right there in abundance like you've never experienced. Peter freaks out. And he goes, partners, partners, come here. Come over here. You, you gotta see this. And I need your help teaching us something else. That advancement, spiritual advancement, we're getting into the metaphor now. Spiritual advancement happens through partnership. 
happens through partnership. See, there's a, a, a bigger parallel that's being told here. See, as Jesus is to Simon and then Simon is to, or Peter, is to his business partners, Jesus is to his church and we are to one another. And the way that spiritual advancement happens is through partnership. It's through Jesus being the lead. And why we say around here, Jesus is the head of our church. It's his church, not ours. And the partnership though is this. Jesus didn't look at Peter and say, hey, Peter, I want you to stand on the beach and pray for fish. Just stand up on the beach and pray for fish. And sometimes, whether it's in the spiritual or the practical, what we do is we stand on the beach and pray for fish. Jesus, how come you're not making the fish swim from the deep and hop up onto the land? Now, the spiritual partnership that Jesus is showing here is you get back into the boat and you take the boat out into the water. I'll show you where to go, but you're going to participate in the work. Don't just sit on the beach and pray and don't pray that the, uh, that the fish will come to you and hop on. And even when he goes out into the deep, what doesn't happen is uh, the fish don't just start jumping into the boat. I think spiritually, a lot of times we, we, we ask for this. Oh, Jesus, just send more people to church. Jesus, just win my brother. Jesus, just win my neighbor. Jesus, just let that little fish hop into the boat, please. Now, the partnership, the partnership is the fishermen took the boat out to the deep. They went where Jesus told them. They took the boat out there and then they put the nets in. The partnership that you and I, friends, uh, if this is your home church, the partnership that you and I exist in is Jesus tells us where to go. Is that we do everything we can using best practice and best methods and everything we can that makes common sense in today's culture and all of that stuff. But we discern the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. And we say, we'll try anything if we know you're the one leading. But then there's a partnership that exists between uh, uh, me and you and all of us. A partnership that says, Jesus, show us where the fish are. Show us where there are people who need the support and the love of a church family. Show us where the people are that need Jesus, that need salvation, that need um, ripped from the grips of hell. Show us where they're at. But then the partnership is that you and I turn every platform that we've been given into a pulpit to proclaim the gospel, or said another way, to cast a net. That's the partnership that we're in. Jesus looks at, or Peter looks at his partner. He says, come on, come on, come on. Help me, help me, help me get all of this in because I can't do it alone. Uh, probably about a year ago, we used to say this around here, that the church is not just paid professionals, but equipped saints. <laughs> that the work of church was never supposed to be for a few people who get paid a little bit of money to do things. That the real work of the church is every person looking at every opportunity that they have as an opportunity to proclaim and to preach the gospel of Jesus.
You think we're challenging, this, this text is challenging so far. Oh man, the heat hasn't even been turned up. So they catch the fish and they bring the fish in. Then here's the question. What do you do after the best success of your life? What do you do after the best, biggest catch you've ever had? What do you do next? Peter's just had it. His partners in his business have just had it. By the way, if you've never heard this before, uh, what the text is indicating here with Peter and his partners is that this is not just like Peter on a boat. He's a fisherman with subsistence farming, that there's like a business enterprise here that Peter is overseeing. And they've just had their best catch. What do you do next? Well, we see the flow here from the end. This is where, personally for me, it gets challenging. The first thing Peter does, after the best success they've ever had, first thing he does, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He falls to his knees. He falls to his knees and says, get away. I'm a sinner. The best success he's ever had doesn't lead him to get prideful, doesn't lead him to stand up a little bit taller. No, it brings him to his knees. Every blessing that you and I receive should bring us to our knees in humility. Peter doesn't become a health and wealth preacher now. He doesn't run around and say, go to Jesus and you'll get more fish. He doesn't start running around polluting and perverting the gospel by saying, make Jesus your business partner. In fact, the next thing that happens is Jesus looks at him and says, now you'll be fishers of men. In other words, what happens is Peter, instead of looking, this is how we would do this in modern society. We look and say, hey, Jesus, I got a spot for you at the top. It's probably a bad joke in here, but do you want like a C-level position? Some of you figured it out. What we would do in this moment, we would look at the success and say, okay, okay, okay. Jesus, just keep telling me where to fish. Become a part of my business. You and me, Jesus, we can do a lot of good. We can catch a lot of fish. No, instead of Peter in that moment saying, Jesus, come join my business. Jesus says, why don't you come join mine? Why don't you come join mine? So he's got a new humility. Seizes the power of Jesus and somehow seeing in this whole story reveals his own sinfulness. Now he's given a new mission. And then here's the last thing. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. He just had the best career moment ever. It brings him to his knees in humility. He looks at Jesus and says, uh, and Jesus tells him, instead of me joining you, why don't you join me? And then Peter is now standing on the beach moments ago. Moments ago, he was standing on the exact same beach. 
standing there exhausted after a hard day's work, after his company had lost money because they probably had to pay employees who didn't do anything because they hadn't brought anything in. He's standing on the beach after working his absolute hardest, and now he's on the exact same beach, and around him is a wealth of goods, life-changing money, whatever it might be. Same beach, however long later. And then all of a sudden, in Peter, there is a new freedom. There's a freedom in Peter right then, in that moment, that looks at everything it says the night before he had toiled and worked for. We can't miss this in the story. Peter looked at Jesus and said, the night before or this day, I have toiled and worked. In other words, I have given my everything for this. I gave everything for this. This is all we were after last night. Now, in a moment with Jesus, everything he was after the night before, everything he had worked hard to get, he leaves it on the beach. You and I are not ready to follow Jesus until we are ready to leave everything on the beach. You and I have not experienced the same type of humility that Peter experienced in that moment. We haven't embraced the new mission. We haven't experienced the freedom that everything we once were working so hard for is just something we would leave on the beach. We haven't experienced in that until we, like Peter, can look at all of it and say, yeah, I don't care. I'm following this guy. I don't care that this is everything I always was working for. That, this guy right here, is better than all of this. That, friends, is a freedom that, friends, is a freedom that, that no amount of catching these fish will ever get you. No amount of catching what you're ever after will get you that type of freedom. Now, this is a new type of freedom that looks and says, whatever I catch, whatever I work hard to get, if I get Jesus, I don't really need any of it. That's freedom. That's the gospel. The gospel is to gaze at Jesus so wonderfully, to find him so beautiful, to fall to your knees like Peter did, and to say, that is everything. This is nothing. Not Jesus and this. Not, okay, Jesus, this is really good. I'm going to go ahead and take all of the fish back I'm going to sell all the fish so we have some ministry money, Jesus. Now you say, this doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter. This is following Jesus.
There's a woman in our church uh, who, at an earlier season in her life, uh, made a, a decision similar to Peter's. I want you to hear her story. this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.